This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Good evening, good Sunday. Hello, hello. Yay! Okay. Yay, it works. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to Facebook Live. Yay. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your page. No, I'm so excited to just chat with you. I know we always have a great time when we do talk. So,、um, definitely. Why don't you introduce yourself to the people on my page、um, and like what you do and who you、yeah. are? Yeah. Absolutely, I'd love to. So, I am Austin.、Um, I am quality, at Quality Carnivore,、um, and I am a physician assistant. I've、uh, been working in the field for the past six years,、um, and I, kind, I, I worked mostly in the hospital setting,、um, particularly doing surgery and working with a lot of inflammatory patients、uh, with rheumatoid and、um, osteoarthritis. Uh, autoimmune conditions. And I just kind of saw the shortcomings of a hospital setting. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of these, these patients were getting,、um, cert, whether it was surgery or doing non operative treatments、um, for inflammation, and yet no attention was paid to their diet.、Uh, so they were getting, you know, ice cream and cookies and everything after. And it just didn't make sense to me. So,、um, yeah, I've kind of Uh, looked more into the functional medicine side of things, a more holistic approach, taking、um, a look more closely at lifestyle, particularly diet. And I have been now working、uh, with clients doing、um, dietary consulting in low carb keto and carnivore space,、um, using carnivore as whether it's an elimination approach. I work with clients anywhere from you know, young, healthy people who just want to.、Um, To optimize their health and prevent disease to people who have actually been diagnosed, whether it's cardiovascular disease or、um, inflammatory disease, a lot of insulin resistant、uh, clients as well who, who want to reverse these conditions and optimize、um, their health, lower inflammation. So that is really my passion and, and my purpose right now. I work with clients one on one.、Um, and luckily, my background、uh, in medicine is, allows me to make. 
recommendations as far as labs uh, and as well as review those in the setting of a carnivore approach or a ketogenic approach. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing when where I'm at right now. And I absolutely love it. You do a lot of blood work with um, clients to see, you know, if carnivore or ketogenic diet is working. Can you talk through a little bit of some of the markers that you see improve a lot on a carnivore yeah. or ketogenic diet? And then um, in longer term carnivores, do you see any numbers that change that maybe then you may have to do some dietary changes? Yeah. So um, baseline, as far as uh, whether, no matter what the uh, the client, what their health goals are, uh, I see a lot of changes in inflammatory markers. So these decreasing, um, particularly the HSCRP, which is the highly sensitive C-reactive protein. Um, and so that is kind of one of my baseline. It's not a, it's not necessarily one your doctor may, um, just automatically get. So I always like to see, uh, inflammation over time. So that's a, a big one that decreases with a ketogenic or carnivore approach. Um, with that, I also check, um, fasting glucose, fasting insulin, hemoglobin A1C, and these all generally improve uh, on a ketogenic or carnivore approach as well. Cholesterol, uh, it depends on where you're at in your journey as far as um, the dietary approach. Cholesterol generally will worsen um, acutely, and, and, and what I mean by that is total cholesterol and LDL, but this is actually completely okay, provided the triglycerides generally will trend down and the HDL or the good cholesterol um, will go up. So again, there may be some acute changes as compared to your standard American diet uh, baseline levels, but uh, we actually want to see that you have higher cholesterol levels because now this is the, the fuel source. You're using fat as fuel. So um, it just, we want to see, um, you know, again, trends of the storage uh, triglycerides going down and then your HDL going up, which we generally do. Uh, but your doctor will most definitely say, oh my God, your cholesterol is increased. What are you doing? Get off this diet and you need a statin. So all of these have to be interpreted in context particularly with a low-carb ketogenic approach. Uh, so even, you know, I have many clients who got blood work through their, their doctor, and then they come to me and say, well, can you look at it and can you interpret it? Because they're freaking out. <laughs> you know, we all know that LDL kind of goes high on a meat-based diet, but do you ever think it gets to a point where it's too high where you get kind of concerned? Um, there are, and I'll look kind of further into it just as far as uh, sometimes it can be a genetic component. Yeah. So um, either that or I'm, I'm, I am going to be asking, like, how, how high of fat are we doing? Like, is it necessary to be doing that high of fat? Um, you know, what types of fats are we using? So I do sometimes have to dive a little deeper in depending on the client. Uh, but there definitely can be a genetic component as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen similar things and that makes sense. Sometimes it could also be that their liver enzymes or something in their liver is also being um, taxed for the um, yeah. for some other reason and then it Absolutely. may affect their cholesterol levels as well do you see yeah. any difference 
I, I totally agree with that. Is um, you know, even even for people who have you know, can, uh, they don't have any diagnosis, so to speak, but they uh, are starting a carnivore ketogenic um, diet. Sometimes it can be very taxing on the liver at first. Uh, so even yeah, providing some support with whether it's enzymes or uh, and again diving deeper into the history is were they a heavy drinker before? Maybe they weren't diagnosed right. with something, but um, yeah, it's that that transition to a higher fat diet is causing their liver to uh, struggle a little bit initially until it gets adapted. What about um, other markers? Do you ever see um, any markers that just worsen over maybe a year of doing carnivore, a meat only diet that you may have to have them transition to um, maybe different macros in terms of proteins and fats, or even sometimes different types of meats, or even maybe possibly adding some bits of carbs? Yeah. So, um, some of the things which you would, it's not intuitive whatsoever because you think, Oh, I'm, you know, you're eating a lot of meat. Like you must be getting, um, plenty of iron, but I have seen, uh, anemias and I've also oh, wow. seen, okay. um, just really high, uh, the opposite of very high levels of ferritin, uh, with everything else, as far as inflammation, because ferritin, it's a storage iron, but it can also point toward inflammation. So right. you kind of have to, again, interpret it in context. But uh, so they're having trouble, whether it is uh, uh, not getting enough under eating, um, or if they're kind of just starting out, or the concern later on is really that they're not absorbing as much anymore. And that can be a gut issue, um, or it can just be a mineral imbalance as well as I've seen. So making sure, like you said, that they're incorporating, uh, sometimes people, they just need a little bit more variety. Uh, I will, I will check into the minerals, um, particularly, uh, with like a hair mineral analysis test to make sure everything's kind of going okay long on long-term, uh, carnivores. I tend to see, including myself, that uh, my thyroid markers, TSH, T4, T3, everything's relatively normal, um, except for my T3. It's gone down a little bit. So it's a hair under the normal range. So it's considered low. I think it was 1.8 last time I checked, but that was a couple years ago, actually. So, okay. And then people get scared that that's hypothyroid, but I breastfed for five years. I get my period consistently. So I'm not worried about it. And I know for some people, T3 is not a big deal. I'm just curious your take on that. Yeah, no, I actually (laughs) see that very commonly. It's a low T3, but it's in isolation. Um, And it's not really something I worry about. I I go and I, you know, ask the gamut of questions as far as symptoms, just like you said, um, any hormone issues, um, loss of period, uh, you know, whether uh, they're cold, sluggish, weak, tired, um, those types of things. But in isolation, I I generally see that on ketogenic carnivore clients that it is. um, And it sometimes it's a more acute where it happens when they're initially transitioning. uh, And other times I've seen it in in long term ones. But uh, I don't think it's worth, you know, I think it's important to check numbers over time, but I don't think it's, you know, something you're not, you don't want to treat the number you want to treat the client. So, uh, um, if they're asymptomatic, it's, it's really not something I worry about. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, there are some people that tell me their T3 is at 1.7. They can't even get out of bed. And so I obviously don't have that problem, right? Like I always get, um, people always say to me that I work too much. So I don't think I'm having the systemic low T3, having low energy and things like that. So I I totally agree. I think it's really individual. And 
You know, on that thought, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you said it, um, you know, we're talking offline that uh, we are both fans of bio-individuality, that everything, diet, um, exercise, nutrition, everything is really based on what works for the individual. And you said that there has been some stuff going on about, I guess, like really strict, rigid rules. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that and just some of the concerns that you're seeing? Yeah. So a lot of clients, they come to me and say, well, um, you know, I'm doing this or that or the latest trend. Um, And I, I often remind people that, you know, they, they almost corner themselves into this, well, I want to, I want to lose weight and I want to, and I'm going to do carnivore. So I did a recent video on this and I feel so strongly about it. Um, that we are all unique. We are bio-individuals and we really have to stop kind of cornering ourselves into these these trends or these, um, or classify, like making generalizations uh, with the fact that the, you know, the things that we overlap with certain people is, for example, carnivore and weight loss. So you have these two things, like the Venn diagram picture of, okay, carnivore and weight loss. And so you immediately see that somebody did something and it worked for them. So then you say, okay, well, I got to do that. And by following that trend, you're, you lose sight of all of the other things, whether it's age, you know, uh, your hormones, um, your, again, diet, your, your uh, exercise, like all the other lifestyle factors, how much sleep you're getting, how many kids you've had. Like there's so many little, de- and though, even though saying those out loud are like huge generalizations, it comes down to right. what do you do on a day-to-day basis? So, um, I, I get really, um, passionate about focusing on the individual one-on-one, uh, and, and getting away from these kind of trends. And the other thing, uh, as you had mentioned is about being strict. So they'll come to me and say, well, I did this like so-and-so and it's not working for me, or I've been good, or I've been strict. And I say, well, what does that mean? And they're, you know, kind of going with the, well, the beef water and the salt, and I've been good and I've cut out the... Even I even cut out the egg yolks, and I was like, "But what's wrong with egg yolks? Like, were you reacting? No, but like strict is more strict than with being better, and like providing better results as well is kind of the expectation, and that is just so not true. In fact, I've actually seen so many people do beef, water, and salt and struggle, um, and really like just on so many different levels that I, I recommend against it. I mean, if it's, if it's an elimination approach and you want to, you know, go strict. Okay. But um, you know, it's, it may be worth an experiment, but strict does not mean better. Strict does not mean faster results. Strict does not mean anything. It, it completely depends on the individual. So that I agree. With. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to start. Um Yeah, I think it's really hard to share a diet and wellness on social media because you try to explain something to the average person, but then not, but everything is so individualized. So how do you even start, right? So, I mean, recently I talked about how carnivore really means meat only. And then people are like, oh, that's so dogmatic. But that wasn't really my message. It was like, no, I'm saying we don't necessarily need carbs for optimal health. Um, But it's just all these little nuances, but I agree. I think I used to think that beef only was the ultimate elimination diet. And I do think that for temporary, but if you were to do beef only long-term, I mean, I wrote a whole blog post on it, but 
there are a lot of nutrients that are very, very low and almost deficient on a beef only diet, even if you had all the liver in the world from a cow. Um, I think magnesium is really low. Thiamine is really, really low. And then there's other ones. I I remember in the blog post, there were several. And so I I don't think uh, beef only is ideal for someone that wants to do meat only long term. I think adding salmon roe and chicken and pork and just eating the rainbow of animals is probably better. Absolutely. Um, I I think there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of fear mongering. Um, So chicken and pork people have, and I, um, you know, it's, so there's different, different aspects of it. Like, well, chicken and pork may not be as satiating, but it doesn't mean that you have to cut them out completely. Uh, Like you said, I, like I did an experiment with beef only. And then um, after, I think it was like two to three months, I was craving chicken. Like I couldn't mm. get enough chicken wings. Uh, and that's just not, not something that normally happens, but I agree. I think having a little variety doesn't have, it cannot be dog. It shouldn't be dogmatic. Um, so, uh, as long for long-term carnivores, I think of sprinkling in these things is very, very important. Your body is going to crave them because you're missing something. I, and I, I agree with that. And it's funny because these trends, while it might work for several individuals, it doesn't work for everyone. And I, I talked about this in a different podcast recently, but it's funny that, but I saw that there was a period where MCT was super popular for weight loss, right? Oh my God. So the thing is, everybody needs to focus on MCT oil. And the more you drink it, it's going to burn fat. And there is some just light up your mitochondria. Yes. Yeah. Boom. It's all, it's all gone. (laughs) But the thing is there is some truth technically that um, MCTs can rev up your metabolism. But what I noticed is um, there were people that obviously tried it and said it didn't work. Um, And then like just three, four months later, then it all of a sudden became the lead protein, right? The protein sparing modified fast. And literally some people that were advocating for the MCT became totally on the PSMF train and it's like wait chicken everywhere now it's like poofas is gone like now it's like all right eat your chicken breasts and eat your turkey and we got shrimp it's it's like it is it's these trends and it's there it like you said there is some of them there is some underlying truth to it like okay yes this you know there is a little bit of science but um beneath it but again it's so individual and it can't be this chasing the success of somebody else like it has to be okay i'm going to give this a shot it's going to be an experiment but but you know going into it and then coming out and saying oh well just didn't work for me like why 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 it's because you're unique and it may not work for you um so i had a conversation with a different doctor and we were talking about how even in the ketogenic space, the lean protein is becoming a trend where people are like, oh, as long as you don't eat carbs, you're pretty much ketogenic and you don't really need to add the fat. And for some people that might work on a ketogenic, even on a paleo diet, that may work because you have the vegetables as fillers, the fibrous foods that keep you satiated. I don't know if you could really do that long-term on a carnivore diet because there's only one macro, which is mostly protein then, right? If you're cutting out most of the fat and protein, we all agree on this, that it's takes a lot of energy within the body to convert for different forms of energy that you can use. And so if your body is doing a lot of effort to even produce energy from it, you're going to feel the effects of that is you'll always feel hungry. You'll never feel satiated and your energy will start tanking because hormones like your steroid hormones, your sex hormones, your cortisol is all produced from that. 
So, um, yeah, I, I personally, I experimented with the higher protein, uh, just more so to find kind of my threshold. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I personally did not do well. In fact, I actually lost more weight when I incorporated more fat because I think I was in more of a ketogenic state. Um, and I felt so much better, but by, by increasing those amounts of, um, protein and then limiting the fat, yeah, the neck, I would be sweating, like, like it was legit meat sweats, um, yeah. just due to the, the thermogenic effect of the protein. Uh, but I was still feeling like low energy because it wasn't coupled with enough fat. So, um, you can go as high as you want on, you know, on protein and you still do need an energy source. So it's not right. necessarily this all or nothing. Like, you know, people are, of course there's extremes and many of the people in car- the carnivore space are, um, uh, they're not moderate moderators or abstainers. <laughs> they do the all or nothing black or white. And so they're doing protein sparing modified fasts every day. Oh, um, wow. You know, keeping that as their, as their macros, maybe not that low, low calorie every day, but again, doing like all lean proteins and they're, they're noticing even after a week or two, you can really feel like, Oh wow. Like this is, it's taken, taken uh, everything out of me because uh, you don't have that fuel source. So I completely agree that uh, the trends are, it's, it's kind of scary. <laughs> so if you work with individuals and you honor bio-individuality, are there any recommendations for someone that's just starting as a basic tool that you would kind of start with? Uh, in the sense of their- uh, Like levers, um, different types of meats, that type of stuff. Yeah, so I generally um, will start with, I I definitely want to assess kind of what their goal is, but Mm -hmm. the initial thing is focusing really on the transition to become fat adapted. So even if they're coming from, some people say, oh, well, I've been paleo for years, or oh, I've been keto for years, and that's great that that's, you know, it's it's a little bit of a segue um, Mm -hmm. to to become more easily fat adapted, but essentially you're becoming zero carb. So there is still an adaptation period where you could feel kind of crappy um, because you're lowering carbs that much further. So even with that, um, I'm always looking at, okay, the first couple of weeks, uh, you're, we're going to see this fat adaptation. Want to make sure that electrolytes are, are ramped up uh, and that they're getting enough food. So many people, they'll come to me and they immediately just want their macros. But the first couple of weeks, I actually say, you know, nope, we're not going to track. Like, I want you to eat to satiety and all animals fair game. Uh, and then after that, just to kind of um, also to make it so it's not an all or nothing, that it's not this restrictive mindset from the get-go, um, that we are tuning into just kind of body signals, intuitive eating. And then from there, I'll have them um, uh, track generally. And I will say, I just want you to put it in there, put the information in there so I can assess it later and that make, you know, those, those details. Um, we can discuss the details as far as macros and those types of things. But uh, yeah, I think just starting out, the more general you can, the better. Many people get wrapped around the, I mean, even just going carnivore, like we're, we're cutting down major food groups. So I don't want it to be physically and mentally restrictive. Uh, I want to keep it a little more general. So um, that makes that's sense. Kind of my, my approach initially. 
Do you have macros that you generally give people once they are eating and then they're, let's say they're fat adapted now and they're eating a meat-based diet and they're like, okay, I want to make sure that my hormones are being, you know, tended to, and they just feel well, well, do you have a fat uh, protein macro ratio that you kind of generally go by? Yeah. So initially I'll do uh, a one-to-one if they are someone who has a diagnosis or we're trying to reverse um, inflammatory condition or insulin resistance, like those uh, more chronic diseases, I will aim for a higher fat, more ketogenic ratios. Um, okay. Yeah. And so, one-to-one is like 65% fat in terms of total calories, right? It's not yeah. So I'll, okay. I'll usually bump like 70, 75. And especially if they're, you know, coming from a standard American diet, I know the cravings are going to kick in. I know um, they're going to be dealing with that, that kind of keto flu fat adaptation period. So um, I do want to keep the fats higher just to um, keep uh, satiety up and to minimize those cravings as well. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. A lot of people come to carnivore hearing that it's such a miracle weight loss diet, but I think a lot of people that stay and that eat high fat, yeah, they notice that it's like, what? It's not. Honestly, I I worry when people say, well, I just want to lose weight. So I'm going carnivore and I'm like, well, yeah, like that's not (laughs) going to be the first thing that comes. Like that's going to be six months, maybe even up to a full year of where you're, you're going to want to see like the numbers that they present. Like I want to lose 40, 50 pounds. It's like, that yeah that's a long way away (laughs) i mean i was plant-based before doing keto and then carnivore and i gained weight on it and i'm okay being the weight i am if it brings back my mental health so that's where with my clients too you have to eat more fat and they're like that's gonna make me gain weight but it's just for a temporary blip that you can heal and then you can start trying to lose more weight but it's balancing hormones which I think you need to have a little bit of weight on you to have the happy hormones and the mental health. And then you can pull levers later as you heal. But a lot of women for so many years and decades have um, under eight and eight nutrient poor foods. And so it's just refueling the body in the right way. And that takes time. And so carnivore can be an amazing tool, but you just have to do it the right way. And it's more of a slower term healing process. I don't know if you... Oh, no, I completely agree. It, <laughs> okay. I, I often tell clients, like, the body has to feel safe. Like, if you really want, like, the weight to come off, the body has to feel safe all around. And that is primarily, you know, hormones, uh, which which need fat. And if you've been under eating or, you know, going uh, in this restrictive nature for so long, you're down so many calories. Like, if you really wanted to lose weight and be in a deficit, I mean, you're looking at less than a thousand calories a day. That's not sustainable. That's not yeah. healthy. That's not okay. So, um, yeah, the initial weight gain, it's, it's to fill in the gaps of what you've been doing for years and years and years, filling in those, that protein, filling in that fat, 
and then the body's going to say, oh, okay, finally. And the weight's going to come off. It's, it's a matter of trusting the process though. It is terrifying for any, any, uh, especially women to hear that, um, that, that scale, that number is going to go up. So I often, um, that's another thing for initial clients, it's to get a body scan because if anything, I, I know, uh, even from my own experience that composition changes are happening, even though the scale is may not be moving in the direction that you want it to. Have you ever had to get, um, especially women clients, um, where maybe carnivore doesn't seem to be working as much that you are finally saying, you know what, maybe you need to try some carbs. Um, yeah, depending on the person. Um, and it really kind of, it, it does depend, I guess, on, um, hormone issues. Uh, sometimes it's just that a lot of times it's really just that it's so stressful. Um, so that they're not, they're not actually enjoying, like, it's not aligning with them, the, the diet in general, like they're, I'm sick of eating meat or, you know, I'm not, uh, so it's, it's not necessarily like the foods, uh, as far as like not providing enough nutrients or carbs being essential, but it is more the restrictive mindset of the diet right. that then causes them all this stress. Uh, and then they're losing sleep or their cortisol levels, uh, are raised and their, uh, just hormones are imbalanced in that sense. And then they're, they're struggling, um, with weight loss. So, uh, yeah, I, I do say that there is it, can be if it's not restrictive in the sense of you know what these foods are it's the mental restriction that i can only have this or i have to do this and they're they're missing the other things it's just not aligning with them so i i think that it's really important again i don't think carbs are essential um but uh if it's not going to work for, as a lifestyle for you we can't force it um, and I'm sure you agree too. Um, it depends on the need for, let's say they want to have honey or they want to have fruits and they'll explain their situation. Sometimes I think people think they can handle a little bit of honey or fruits and, yeah. but they still suffer from blood sugar dysregulation. And I can tell yeah. because I'll make them check their blood sugars. And, and so it's, they still need a little bit of that drip of sugar, but for some people it's just, Hey, I don't want to just do meat forever. And, yeah. and that's when it's like, yeah, go ahead. There's a list of plants totally. and carnivores here that you can add back and see how you do. Yeah. I had a client say, oh, well, you know, I was, I was watching a friend or family member and they were eating um, watermelon and I just sat there and I was like, wow, like I, I would <laughs> love to eat that. And I was like, but why didn't you like, why couldn't you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not carnivore and you know, I'm uh, it, they were, you know, at a safe place in the terms of gut healing. Um, I agree that some clients, you know, it's that little bit that can be very triggering. So you do have to um, count, you have to consider that. And also you have to consider where they're at in their gut healing, whether or not, you know, certain foods are, if they're ready to kind of introduce them just based on leaky gut or SIBO and those types of things. But for you to sit there and say, oh man, I just really want, it's like, you know, that, that stress on yourself and saying that you yeah. can't when you, when you can, if you're in a good place, um, and it's not going to trigger you for other things, by all means, like that's, that's yeah. kind of the point of carnivore is to eliminate, to heal the gut, to heal the body, uh, and then be able to introduce things that you want and that you feel good on. Um, so I, I definitely, the dogmatic, the yes or no food, uh, mentality is, is not my thing. <laughs> Uh, I think there was one that said uh, macros with um, autoimmune. 
do you have a difference? Like I personally don't. So I normally put people on a 70% high fat diet and then I have them heal, but that depends again on so many different factors, but, but I, no, I would agree. Um, usually with autoimmune conditions, just considering that it is inflammatory. Um, I think kind of that 70, 30 is a good, uh, a good place to start. Okay. I have been carnivore for almost a year and feel better than when I ever have, but I think I eat too much. Do you think uh, people can eat too much? So there's a lot of, like when I first started carnivore, people said you can never overeat meat. And I would have to say, I disagree with that. Um, I would disagree. I've eaten (laughs) way too much meat at one time and then felt very, very sick. But I, you know, for how much meat you should be eating, um, it's hard it's very hard to say when people are like, oh, well, two to three pounds, this and that. It depends on the individual. Um, I think, though, that it is much more common that people undereat than overeat um, on carnivores. So, again, it depends on the individual. What were you going to say just as far as, um, as eating too much? So I think if you have any sort of disordered eating, um, you could absolutely bring that into a meat-based diet too. So you may just overeat cheese, overeat pork rinds, overeat bacon. Um, If you are still turning to food, like a lot of people turn to ice cream and sugary foods when they're stressed, when they need comfort at the end of the hard day, you just want to sit down with some food, right? If you have those same habits, you could still do the same on a carnivore diet. Um, reducing a lot of those types of sugary foods will help not turn to foods, but you can still use something in a carnivore based diet to still use food for comfort. And so that's when I would think that you need to work on that with either a therapist or, um, just focus on why you turn to food or find a new habit to replace that food. And that's where I think you totally can overeat. Um, you can also have like leptin resistance or insulin resistance that will then cause you to never understand your hunger cues. And that can also cause you to eat more. Um, I've also seen some clients where they can't tolerate a lot of fat. So they just focus on the protein and they end up eating like five pounds of meat and they don't need it. And so then they're eating too much protein. So fill in the gaps of the fat for (laughs) sure. I, that was something that I actually saw when I was doing the, the leaner, um, the leaner cusses that I was just mm-hmm. eating more and more and more. And it was because my body actually wanted the fat, but it wasn't getting it from there. So it was, and then it was just over overeating on the, the leaner cuts. But yeah, even, um, for some people just like have people have triggers for that sugary taste or those, those carbs on standard American diet. Um, you can have those same, that same disordered eating, uh, those habits in um with an all meat diet you may be like um it may be just the more palatable uh, meats so for example the ribeye yeah. versus the filet i mean it's right it's tra- it can be translated over any diet um the disordered the, the disordered eating um habit that pattern um really has to be addressed and i agree therapy is necessary this is more a uh the mental health issue than uh, you know actual physical needs of your body because you could you can definitely get what you need from a carnivore diet but you're still over consuming it for some reason underlying reason that's generally can be emotional um and and needs to be addressed uh they have hypothyroid and they eat about 70 30 and they still get tired will this go away zero energy by the afternoon do you want to go first yeah, yeah. So um, it really depends on where you're at, um, what you are, um, 
yeah, this is such a very individual question. Um, so it I'd have to take a look at uh, you as an individual, your symptoms, you know, your changes of your, your labs over time, um, what you're eating, making sure that you're eating enough, uh, making sure that you're getting uh, enough uh, iodine and, and just variety in your diet. Um, so it, it, I can't really say, I mean, whether or not it's going to go away, but there's many questions that I would have for you in, in addressing it. I think um, I would start people normally at about 0.8 grams of protein per one pound of ideal body weight. Um, and then if you can't tolerate that, because I think there was a question on if I get, I get full really quickly. So then if you can't eat enough in one meal, I would split it up to two and three Definitely. and make sure that you're eating enough. Um, if you yeah. feel any sort of gut stuff, like you're burping after you have bloat, you're all of a sudden having loose stools, you just feel very full and unwell. I think you should focus on gut health. I always think everything stems from gut health, but no, after it really, really does. <laughs> um, but after that, um, and then focus on, you know, are you having the right macros, right? So, are right. you eating too much protein compared to fat? And those levers are really important. Um, when you're hypothyroid, sometimes your metabolism is a little bit slower, so mm -hmm. you want to focus on, are you sure you're breaking down your foods? And again, that goes down to gut health, and then all the other questions you were asking, also, yeah. I think, no, totally. I I've worked, um, so both my, my sister and my um, dad have Hashimoto's and yeah, hypothyroidism, we've been working with them. And first and foremost, I was like, you know, eating consistently like meals, two to three meals a day, uh, no fasting, making sure that they're keeping up the fat. These were the first things. These were like baseline um, that we need to start implementing. My sister has four kids. And so even sitting down and having one meal, she's like, oh, I don't have time. And I was like, well, you have to make time, like set an alarm on your phone. So I think um, especially for hypothyroidism, yeah, consistency of meals, making sure you're eating enough, making sure you're getting enough fat, um, making sure you're getting enough variety, uh, particularly, you know, you want to make sure your levels of selenium for that, um, uh, the, um, conversion of the thyroid hormone is working properly. Uh, and again, everything comes down to the gut. It really, really does. So yeah. depending on where you are, like healing the gut first and foremost, uh, and then implementing these, these small habits eat every day, you know, two, three meals a day. Uh, it's so important. You again, need to let the body know that it is completely safe. Someone mentioned that their T3 and T4 has dropped drastically on keto. And what are your thoughts? Um, so I think depends on where you're at starting. If you're just starting keto versus if you've been on it long term. Um, initially, we will see, uh, I do see in clients those kind of this acute drop. Uh, and it's, it's really during that fat adaptation period. So I would, um, if, if that is you, I would recommend repeating them. I would also want to take a look at kind of the, the variety that you are eating, you know, again, consistency of meals, making sure that you're getting enough, uh, as far as energy, uh, to keep everything up and running, uh, as far as your basal metabolic rate what your activity level is, because these are all factors that the body, the thyroid first and foremost kind of slows down when, if things are taken back, um, the, the thyroid is kind of the first thing that slows down and it, our body's very protective of. So, uh, yeah, I think just making, focusing on those things would be my, my approach. Yeah, I think that any diet shift that we make, um, especially in the beginning, it's really hard to gauge if a diet is working or not in the first maybe yeah. 90 days, because Agreed. if you're 
a sugar burner and then all of a sudden you become a fat burner, a lot of things will change. Markers will be all over the place. But if you've been meat-based for a while or ketogenic for a while and your T3 and T4 have lowered, I think one, it depends against the TSH marker. Yeah. Um, if your T4 is in the normal range and your T3 is slightly lower, that kind of tends to happen as long as your TH is, TSH is low. Yeah. And then like your reverse T3 your, and then all the other markers, like your iron panel. So there's a lot of other things that can get impacted. And then are you eating enough, right? Um, iodine and protein, I think it's tyrosine. Those are the two that you really need to produce thyroid hormone. So are you eating enough meat? The biggest problem I see on a ketogenic carnivore diet is that for the first time ever, women don't feel hangry anymore, right? They they don't, um, they don't, but then they're not eating enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, yes, I could finally lose weight. And you might feel bliss at first. It's like, I never feel hungry. I have so much energy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the energy tanks because now the thyroid, the hormones are getting mad, right? It's so um, common. Very, very But common. if you eat enough, and then that's the trick though. It's like, if you eat enough, you're probably not going to lose as much weight. And then you're like, well, carnivore didn't lo- work to lose weight, right? So it's yeah. like- you just can't win, right? Um, yeah, no, I and I do a lot of people, um, especially with carnivore, they're like, it's just so much protein. Like it's, yeah, I feel like I'm chewing nonstop, especially when they make that initial transition. So true. I will often say, you know, eggs are pretty easily digested quickly. Um, less of that full feeling as compared to like having a steak. Um, but I will often recommend like go for the, it's okay to go for the leaner cuts if they sit better initially, just to make sure that you're getting in the amounts of protein, you're getting in those calories and then adding, adding butter, adding your fat source. Cause for some people it's easier to eat, for example, salmon with added butter versus eating like a ribeye, like a ribeye just sits heavier. So, um, that is one, one thing I will recommend because I know, and I think it's, it's kind of funny because people are like, oh, I can't eat that much. I can't eat that much. In here, you know, I was testing protein. I was up to like 250 grams of protein in a oh, day. Wow. And I was like, oh, I, like, I did it no problem. So when I'm like, you got to hit, you know, 120 for the day. They're like, I can't. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, you, it, you got to split it up. It, it becomes manageable. And then your body gets used to that amount. But um, yeah, that's, that's a minimum, you know, one gram. Uh, per pound of body weight for me anyway. And so uh, split it up into meals, then that means, okay, 40 grams at each meal, like that's more doable for some people. Um, But yeah, I have to laugh because I could eat probably three times that. (laughs) Um, Just to make it very crystal clear for people, what is 40 grams in a protein? Like what would give me a few meat examples? it's It's really honestly about seven to eight ounces. Of meat, okay. whether you're doing chicken, uh, even beef, uh, I mean, there is there is a little bit of variability amongst yeah. the different types of animals. But uh, it, I'd say, it's pretty safe to say seven to eight ounces at each meal. Okay, and that's and again, that's a minimum for someone who's like 120 pounds. Okay, I would agree. I think it depends also though what your fat macro is too, because sometimes I will go down on the protein macro to about 0.8 grams instead of one gram. Just if they're higher fat, because I will get the complaint of weight gain or overfulness. So yeah, um, that's the standard American diet. Dietetics recommendation is like 0.4 or 0.6 grams. It was scary. Like when you put it, when you put it into those calculators, it's like, 
it was saying, you know, I needed like 65 or 70 grams of protein a day. And I was like, I know what, like that is not nearly enough. I, I would have to disagree on some of those. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm not surprised that, uh, you know, with our high stress levels and our low protein recommendations, why we're suffering with thyroid imbalances, right? I mean, thyroid Absolutely. is made from proteins or amino acids. So I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Especially um, in the older population. Um, you know, even with my parents, I'm like, you know, what, how much protein are we getting? They're like, Oh my God, that's a lot. And I was like, <laughs> no, but you know, you're, you approach 50, 60s, like, it's so important to prevent sarcopenia, like the infiltration yeah. of the fat into the muscles, um, especially considering that, you know, the average American, they're not getting, you know, the 10,000 steps in a day. Like we're just not uh, as active. Some people, are, you know, maybe they struggle to get 2000 steps in a day. Uh, so I just think it's so important that, uh, you know, nutritionally that you're, you're providing your body with what it needs. And then also, I think with that nutrition, often people, they feel it and they say, Oh, I have more energy. Like I want to move my body. I feel the need to go for a walk. Uh, so yeah, it, it really comes down to what you're fueling your body with biochemically that, um, it means so much in, uh, across all, all aspects. Yeah. I mean, I always talk about my mom because my journey was more mental health. So you can't really see it. Right. Obviously my husband who lived with me knows like Judy pre carnivore was such a yeah. different person, but you could see a lot in my mom. So she was diabetic. She was obese and she would just do a nine to five job. And by the end of the night, her foot size was two sizes bigger. She had edema. She would have asthma in the night and she was taking metformin. Her blood sugar was still in the one eighties in the morning. Cause she was, she had no idea how to manage it. Yeah. And now she's been meat based for almost three years now. She sleeps through the night. She's 70 years old, has no hormonal issues. Her hair is fine. Her hormones are fine. And she is like her friend recently said that she is aging in reverse and okay. they always ask her, what's your secret? And she's like, I only eat meat. And, and once in a while she'll have avocados and occasionally some fruit, but that makes her blood sugar go up. So she doesn't really have it. But yeah. I mean, she's probably the healthiest she's ever been. And, and now she's watching two kids under the age of five for maybe eight, 10 hours a day and so okay. healthy. And that is where, you know, you see carnivore shine and you see people healing. And that's where th those are the stories that really inspire others to want to try this way of eating. I know it's it. Uh, I was just speaking with someone recently and yeah, it's like you leading by example is really the best thing that you can do, but you do, uh, especially me, like I wish that, you know, I had found it years ago or that I had told, you know, helped someone else find it years ago. Um, but I mean, even look at your mom, like having changed it now, uh, knowing that you're extending her life, like longevity and op and optimizing your health for the long term. That's what this is all about. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I think that's great. That that makes my day just to see. And you're right. Um, mental mental um, issues. It definitely helps. I myself struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder, a lot of anxiety, and it is. I mean, keto helped it for sure, but carnivore to another level. And it's hard to express that or to show that uh, in the sense of kind of before and afters. There's no no transformation yes. photo that's going to capture that one. But um, yeah, it, it does. It, when you heal the gut, 
you're also healing the mind on so many levels. Uh, mood Absolutely. stability is a major, a major player that I see um, that improves. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's spreading the word. And and uh, if you can help even just one one additional person with this approach, um, it's it's going to change so many lives for sure. Yeah, I mean, right now we're in a pandemic where comorbidities is a lot of it is like obesity and diabetes. And these are things that regardless of how it starts, it can absolutely be supported and healed through a meat-based diet or a ketogenic diet. This is a way that you can care for your immune system and care for your health. No, I I always tell, um, because there is, there's a lot of fear um, around um, getting COVID. And I just, I try and remind everyone, like when we speak about it with amongst family, friends, that you have, you know, to keep the mindset, we're all going to get it or experience it like that. That's out of our control. It's Mm -hmm. how our body responds to it that is within our control. And the best thing we can do is to um, have a healthy immune system. And that is most definitely powered by the diet. So um, with that, I think you you do have to focus on what you can control. And that's your own individual health, what you put inside your body every single day. Um, I think that's more important than any vaccine in the world. So I do think that the diet plays such such a big role. And I wish that that was more of the focus in the, as far as social media and mainstream and all of that. But Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so where can people find you? And, um, you know, if they wanted to work one-on-one with you, how could they go about doing that? Absolutely. So the best way to um, get an appointment is to go directly on my website, qualitycarnivore.com, and to book an appointment. And that's going to be an intro call that we talk about um, the services that I can provide provide after you, I hear a little bit more about um, your individual story, what your goals are, and then, uh, and make sure that we're a good fit. Because, you know, if I'm not the perfect person for you, um, I definitely know a lot of people within the space that I can refer you to. Uh, and so I, I do want to make sure it's, it is a good fit. So that would be the best way. Um, I'm on IG at Quality Carnivore. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. So DMs are, um, you know, are, are fine, but really the best way to get an appointment and to work with me, whether it's for labs, whether it's a um, custom, uh, more long-term plan, three months, six months, uh, whether it's kind of a and a I offer all types of services. So happy to get on an intro call, um, which is completely free and figure out what's going to be the best option. I'll put yeah. this on YouTube and then I'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. I really appreciate that. It's been such a pleasure. We could talk all day about this stuff. I know. <laughs> Well, it's always great talking to you. Yeah, I love that we got to catch up. (laughs) All right. I will talk to you later. Have a good rest of the evening. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, taking the time, and um, and sharing my information too as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for watching. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and The Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.